to the Tuga. Here we go. To the Tuga, the <laughs> Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast by the fans for the fans. Mitch Christian, I'm Kevin. Thank you all for tuning in. Very special broadcast, uh, two in one week, and there's a very special reason for that because Portugal finally got it done. It wasn't easy, but uh, they never do it easy. They always do it the hard way. Uh, next stop, Qatar. Portugal has qualified for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. A big 2-0 win over North Macedonia. Two goals by Bruno Fernandes. And uh, we'll have a lot to talk about that as well. But boys, Portugal, they got it done. We knew that North Macedonia was going to play defensive. We knew that it was going to be a tight, boring game. But Portugal... They cracked through at about the 30th minute, and from there, the rest was history. What did you guys think? Yeah, uh, we talked a lot about it last podcast. I said scoring early would be a huge benefit. Uh, Macedonia, excuse me. It's been a long day. Macedonia has a team where they strive on uh, holding in into these games, you know, uh, latching on to that 0-0 and scoring off a set piece or a free kick or a wonder goal like they did against Italy. Once you score early, it forces them to open up. Uh, and then, yeah, being Portugal with all the talent we have, we we can definitely exploit that. Um, yeah, some players stepping up. I thought Jota had a great game. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, lots of people, and rightfully so, have been you know, asking a lot of questions about Bruno Fernandes. And then he's even uh, not started a few games. And the talent that he has... You know, I even said it last podcast, your superstars have to play. And uh, he came out. He he had a rough start. Let's call it how it is. He missed a few passes. But once he got his goal, I, I think he loosened up and he, he played well. Uh, also, the addition of Pep. Oh, my God. We're going to be uh, talking a lot about Pep today. What a game he had. The difference this man came and gave to our team at 39 years old. Wow. And then one more thing before I let Mitch uh, take the mic here. I gotta say how it is, man. I, like, I'm I'm known for you know, like if I, I was talking about Danilo last game, and I was criticizing him a lot, and I'm gonna own up to it, man. He had a great, great game. Uh, he was playing really well from the back. Honestly, overall, Pep and Danilo, great games. What do you think, Mitch? Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, you know different things that we saw uh, from this game. Just uh, you know, Cancelo came back, uh, Danilo was a bit of a surprise um, start and, and I think we were all cursing um, that from uh, as, soon, as soon as the lineups were announced, we were all kind of cursing that. But, um, you know, the one thing I'm going to say, and, and, you know, and this is, this is critical to, to kind of this podcast and, you know, as much as we, we will call out for nonsense for the, the horrible shitty mistakes that he's made and, and, uh, you know, has, has uh, you know, is really the reason why why we were in this uh, kind of predicament in the first place. Um, we also have to kind of praise when when he makes the right decisions. And um, you know, Danilo was a decision that you and I talked about wasn't the right decision because we felt somebody like Gonzalo Nasio needed to to be there with with Pep um, rather than Font because. Font, we saw him a little bit exposed speed-wise against Turkey. And, um, you know, it was just something that we didn't think it was worth risking playing Font um, against Macedonia just because that speed. Um, the one thing that I think they got right with Danilo is I think they really analyzed very carefully how Macedonia played against Italy. 
which was they did a lot of the thump and chase. They implemented, they tried, they tried a lot of the long ball game um, and just kind of dump something into, to, into the, 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 you know, the opponent's half and hope for a lucky bounce or hope for a break, hope for, you know, they're, they're holding players to latch on um, and then kind of, you know, hold the ball, wait for your, wait for the other players to, to kind of run on and, and kind of catch the team a little bit on the counter in that sense. So to that point, I think when you analyze that part of Macedonia's game, I think that's where Fernand Sanchez and his coaching team saw the implementation of Danilo because he won almost every single aerial ball that Macedonia put into our half. I mean, if you remember, there was even one instance he fucking scissored the ball behind the behind the Macedonian player's back. Like he was winning every single aerial ball. If we put a metal shock, simp. Like he was he was that player. Um, so again, at first, of course, I was like, oh my god, Danilo. But then as the game progressed, I mean, let's call a spade a spade, man. And this is no no no. Uh, you know, disrespect to Macedonia. I think I could have played at center back and looked good. But the, 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 point, of the, the point being that, you know, Danilo's, the, there was a, a tactical reason why Danilo played uh, where he played. And, and, and I think that was, that was utilized very well. Um, what did you think of the midfield uh, particularly? Yes. Uh, honestly, we talked about it a lot uh, last podcast. I wouldn't switch up anything in that midfield. Yeah. I feel like against Turkey, it was, you know, Really good. One of the best midfields we've seen in a long time. Uh, also, adding on to what you were saying about Danilo, um, I think Danilo also played uh, that role because he is naturally a CDM. And I feel like with Macedonia, since we've been pressing him so much, although he is a center back and he is back there, he pushes up almost into a CDM role. So it's like a hybrid formation. So when we're attacking, he, he moves up, Pep stays back. He's the more conservative defenseman. And he was allowed to, you know, push higher up and distribute the ball, which was a great tactic on Fernand Sanch. Speaking of Fernand Sanch, I don't know if you lit a cattle, candle in Fatima <laughs> or something, or if uh, it's, it's a common tradition that they kneel that, that whole pathway the whole way. But, man, this guy has nine lives. And you know what? Went through a playoff again, and good on him. You know, we, Look, we talked about a, a lot last podcast that it was a win-win almost for us. Win, we go to Qatar. And or if we lose, Fernand Sanchez gone. So he lives there, another day. But all credit to him. He did really well. And he, you know, we got to give credit where credit's due. There is a reason why Fernand Sanchez, uh, he is a proven winner with Portugal. I mean, honestly, we can we can bash him and criticize a lot of those decisions. But at the end of the day, he's won us a European Championship, won us a UEFA uh, Nations League uh, title. And has guided Portugal now to two uh, World Cups. Now, got to get the job done. And and uh, we'll talk a little bit about Fernand Sanchez a little bit later on uh, because I, I certainly have a point that I want to make there too. But uh, let the one thing that I thought was really interesting and, and actually really impressive, we talked a little bit about it before in the past, how we want to see more than just Cristiano Ronaldo here. And if you take a look, those two playoff games against Turkey and North Macedonia, Ronaldo's not even on the score sheet. And to me, that's the biggest win here. It's not necessarily getting to the World Cup. It's the fact that everyone else stepped up and got the job done. That speaks volumes. And, you know, there's one picture 
um, you know, after Bruno Fernandes' second goal, Cristiano Ronaldo's kind of like right behind him. And when I saw that picture, I just started thinking 2004. And that's all I kept thinking about, the passing of the guard. This is this moment for this generation where it's going to be the end of an era come November, but it's the beginning of a new chapter. And you're starting to see that. And that is what is really exciting about this win. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I think we, we we both said that um, prior to this game that that the key was going to be the other superstars on this team stepping up, and you know um, I think that was uh, to Kev's point that uh, it was the most one of the most exciting things about these two games was that um, you know it, it feels it really feels like the 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 key players the Bernard Silva's the Diogo Jotas, uh, the Bruno Fernandes. Um, they said, you know what, Ronald, you've you've stepped in and you've you've put this country, you've put this lesson, you've put this team on your back so many times. We got you. You know, let us put you on our back and let us carry you to Qatar. And and that's almost the, the feeling that you got, man. And um and and it was a really um it was a really nice thing to see, man, because you really did, you know, Bruno Fernandez, even though you know, I'll be the first to say he didn't have a very good, uh, you know, probably first 30 minutes prior, prior to his goal. But, um, you know, Bernard Silva, Bruno Fernandes was clinical. Even though he might not have had the best game, he was clinical when he needed to be. He put the ball in the back of the net and he finished. And that's that's all we can ask uh, from him. You know, um, guys like Bernard Silva, Diogo Jota was, 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 again, a massive threat. Like all of the players kind of did their role <coughs> and stepped up in a big way. For sure. Um, as we've been watching uh, Cristiano Ronaldo throughout the years, he's bailed us out plenty of times. There's multiple highlights of you know his whole career has been doing that. But one thing that he's known for is a, switching up his game and adjusting his game. Uh, when he was a young kid, he was a very flashy, like the hog the ball, uh, very fast winger. And then he sort of evolved into a, you know attacking winger. And then now, you know, maybe in his early 30s, he was more of a you know striker. Mm -hmm. clinical score that's why uh, after 30 he scored a crazy amount of goals uh but right now believe it or not i think he's going through his last transition where uh i don't know if you if you guys found this or been noticing this he's not um he's he's less selfish now he's letting uh bernardo and bruno take more free kicks uh even in one of the corners a lot of people must might have missed this but i didn't uh when he was pressed up on a corner kick he was telling uh one of the other players to pass the ball to Jota because he was open. Whereas before he would, he would want it all on himself. I feel like these last two games, correct me if I'm wrong. The first one, he didn't have a good game, but I feel like he's adjusting his game and he's being more of a team player and he's allowing other people, you know, to grow into the national team. And I think it's just going to benefit us. And if he continues to do that, you're right. That's how you prolong your career with a national team, right? When you're starting to, slow down a little bit i mean i mean he's a freak of nature um but as you start to slow down a little bit you need to be able to concede a little bit more and that's what he's doing so that is really good to see i think the one question that i have now kind of going forward is um you know what happens in between the pipes now come november like who who's your go-to goaltender uh in qatar mitch is already shaking his head costa he is the guy that he solidified it he's the guy I'll tell you why and and i think we were all questioning this um but what i saw from Diogo costa in these in these two games was his un 
canny ability to handle the ball with his feet and and to take not only to to, to handle the ball with his feet but even take balls down in the air um you know like it, it, it was it, it is such and anybody who's played the game knows this it is such an asset to have a keeper who is that comfortable with the ball at his feet and i think we've all played with keepers who we knew and, and I, I was a defender so like I can speak to this like as a defender it's so different when you have a keeper that you feel comfortable playing the ball back to versus a guy who you know can you just don't feel confident and you know it's almost a a pretty every time you're you you play the ball back to him I think we've all played with keepers that we know who we can and who we can't and when you have a keeper that's that confident with his feet like I said in the last podcast it's like it's like an extra man it's like an extra sweeper back there and it's such a huge asset and it's a very rare find um not only is he good between the posts again he wasn't tremendously tested as a shot stopper um in both games um even crosswise there wasn't a ton of crosses for him to be dealing with um but i mean i think we've seen enough of him in port to know that he's decent between the sticks as well but i just think that that asset of of being able to handle the ball with his feet the way that he does oh my goodness i I think that's a tremendous asset and i i think almost almost on that basis alone uh, he's the starter all day. Yeah, like they say in Portugal, é um guarda-redes moderno, yeah. modern, a modern goalie. Because yeah, like I'm gonna give you an example. Obviously, I'm 31 years old. I don't play high-level soccer. I work yeah. construction, but I went to uh, uh, the stadium to, uh, with Chris, one of, my, one of my good friends, Chris. Went to go kick the ball around, and there's like some Edmonton FC players there. You know, like they're a little bit younger, but we just played uh, against them, and one of the goalies was was like that. He was really good with his feet. And when we were trying to run to get the ball back, it was like having another sweeper. And he passed the ball back. You go, he gives you a little shift, pass it to their side. It's It just adds that a uh, little bit more to your team. Mm-hmm. And not only that, this guy has been putting in big, long balls to like Bernardo. And he, he can it's even get an assist. I wouldn't be surprised that that addition <clears throat> is so important. And now in today's day and age, like, Pep Guardiola, many regard, I regard as the best uh, manager in the world. He only wants goalies that can play with their feet. That's the main reason why Ederson's there. So, yeah, it's definitely a big addition. I don't think unless something crazy happens, I think he's the guy. Well, I think what's going to be interesting is the fact that uh, the World Cup this year is going to be played uh, in November, right? So normally the World Cup is played in June, so it's at the end of the season, players are tired. You know, some players are carrying injury, whatever. You're going November. This is starting to be peak time for players. So it's going to be really interesting to see if some of these players end up earning a starting spot over someone else. Like if Zessa is having a hell of a year with Wolves to start the season, do you not give them some sort of consideration? Like, And, and this goes for everyone, not just goaltending. I think... This is going to be the interesting um, tactician side that we need to see from Fernand Sanch and from every coach going into the World Cup is now you are managing players that are going to be rising up to their peak form in the season. So that's going to make all the difference. So with that being said, Fernand Sanch, we can all agree that he he got it right in these two playoff games. And he did a, a lot of... Uh, the the right decisions and and got the job done, mission accomplished. The one thing that concerns me a little bit about Fernand Sanch, 
and and the Lord knows I I, I don't uh, dislike him as much as some people do, aka Christian. Um, but is the fact that against Turkey, against North Macedonia, everyone looked at it as yeah, Portugal should win this game, like Portugal favorites. Portugal though has a tendency, uh, at least under Fernand Sanch, that when they go up against higher end competition. So let's say it was in Italy or let's say it'll be Germany in the World Cup or whatever or Holland. They have a tendency to almost you know look down at themselves in a way like they almost we're not as good so we're going to play ultra defensive, right? They're almost scared to go on the attack and like it kind of bit us at Euro and and that's the part has Fernand Sanch learned from those mistakes? Will he be able to change the mindset with this national team going into Qatar in November? Well, I think the big difference is going to be, and, and this was the difference before the Euro, this was the difference prior to the qualifying, was that we always said Portugal did not have an identity. We didn't know who we were as a team. Fernand Sanch didn't know how to get the best out of such a talented group of players. That was always the issue. That was the issue when we went into to the Euro. That was the issue going into qualifying. It was always a crapshoot as to who he was going to start, how he was going to play, and nobody really knew their roles, and it was constantly changing, and he was always playing with Trinch and William and, and, and Danilo in the midfield. What I feel we got out of these two games, if if – but obviously, aside from the two wins, was I feel like Fernando Sanch finally, he got the recipe right. That mix of, um, it's almost like he played a 4-2-3-1, where it was uh, João Moutinho and Bernardo Silva in the middle of the park, Jota, Bruno Fernandes, and Otávio, and then Ronaldo up front. It was almost like a 4-2-3-1, and it was that mix that I think we finally got right. It just worked. And again, it was against Turkey and, and Macedonia, but to that point, it we couldn't get the mix right versus teams like Serbia and Ireland, um, where, where, where we could actually really take control of the game and, and be clinical. So I think, if nothing else, to Kevin's point, what he's talking about, I think if we go into the World Cup and we end up playing bigger teams, and we're going to see this in June because we're going to play Spain um, June 2nd. That's our next game for the Nations League, and that's that's going to be a good, a good test to see how we come out. If we can build on some confidence from not only these two games but capitalize on the little bit of chemistry that we built in these two games – and continue that, and and it's really gonna. If if Fernand Sanch goes with the same lineup against Spain, which I think we should, we should we should absolutely play the same way against a team like Spain. We're gonna see because if if we can play with that same level of confidence and with the same mix of of players and have a good level of success against a team like Spain, I think it's just gonna build on the team's confidence. And and to what you're saying, Kev. I think it really comes when when the players lack when the players kind of drop a level. It's because they're not confident, not in their own individual abilities, but in the team's abilities to go up against a team like a Germany or an England or Spain or an Italy or whatever. So I think as a team, if they start 
to kind of build off of these two games and the chemistry starts to build with this group of players, with this type of substitutions that we were making kind of very consistent. Um, and, and it's almost becomes like a plug and play. I think that's where as a collective, the confidence will grow. And if in themselves, they start to form an identity, that's when we're going to be able to go up against Germany and England and teams like that. And we're going to have a much higher confidence level. And you're not going to see us drop to kind of this react reactionary kind of playing rather than, hey, we know we know our game. We're going to take our game to them. And it's not just this reactionary kind of scared tactic. It's take the game. We know who we are. Let them sure. play to our, our strengths. You know what? So, great, so great question. So, yeah, Kevin Gerald's here is is making the, the the point that I think we're kind of talking about here is as soon as we play a half decent team, we're going to be playing with two defensive mids and real rigid tactics. We're going to see. We're going to see what he what he comes out with against. You know what? That, that's definitely a great great question, and that's what it comes down to. The reason why we've been uh, so hard on Fernand Santos is because in those big games we come out with the Williams and Demios. Yeah. We adjust our game exactly. to other other teams' games instead of it being vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so, to that point, yeah. Rich, uh, Rich here, Ricky Ferreira. Um, uh, Chiming in, saying Fernand Sanchez shown his progressive side of late, and that's good to see that our possession game has improved. Traditionally, our identity has been counterattacking, especially versus big teams. You guys are right; that that's exactly the my concern going into Qatar. But I mean, hey, if uh, if we play like we did in these last two games, then problem solved, I guess. Yeah. So just touching up what I was just about to say is, uh, yeah, if we go into this tournament and we do uh, link up because the potential matchup is Germany, a team like that. Do we go back to William Danilo or do we play this team? I don't think Portugal should switch their, their completely switch their tactics and play scared. We should not have to adjust all the time and, you know, be worried about them. They should be worried about us. I think going into these games, play the exact same lineup, obviously with the addition of hopefully if he's healthy, Ruben Dias. And I think we can go, uh, you know, head to head with these guys. I think we can go head to head with pretty much anywhere in the world. I was uh, reading some uh, analytics and, a lot, a lot of people's opinions online. They're saying maybe only France has a better in terms of skill. Obviously, we we're in, we we qualified through a playoff group. In terms of skill, talented players, maybe only France has more than us. So, that being said, we should play this exact same lineup, yeah. give or take one or two guys, instead of playing the the William and it's, it's it, it just goes to the the strength of the team. We are a fast team. You've got quick players. You cannot have two dead weights like William or Danilo who just play at a different place. And and man, I, I know we rag a lot on them. They are they are useful in certain situations. They are are tactical weapons that you can you know use very in very particular instances. And and I'm gonna give you the example: Portugal versus Holland in the Nations League final. If you go watch, if anybody remembers that game, or if you have it recorded, if you go back and watch that game, Fernando Santos brilliantly um, implemented William in a way where he high press. He used William to high press, and it was so effective that it prevented Holland from being able to break out, and it was so 
It was a it was a tactical genius on Fernando Sanchez's part. You'd never seen William play that high up the field, but he used him in a way that it was so high press, and he's such a big body, and he he knows his position so well. He's so uh, he's got a very high IQ, and and he knows positionally where he needs to be to shut down lanes. His off the ball work rate is good, but he's just a slow player. The ball comes to his feet, and the game just dies. So he need. He, I'm not saying he shouldn't be a part of this lesson. I'm not saying that he he. There isn't specific situations or instances where he can be deployed tactically. I'm saying on the everyday starting eleven, we need to have a quicker midfield. Meaning Juan Moutinho is in there, or a player like him, either a Ruben Neves or even a, a Mateus Nunes, someone to complement Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes to pick up the pace and drive the game forward and not just be it that dead weight yeah. in that holding midfield position we don't need it unless it's for a tactical reason if we're trying to shut down a game like i say there's there's tactical instances where you can deploy players like that but on the everyday we need that a quicker midfield i'm gonna to have to disagree with you with uh william i don't think on this national team you need both danilo and william maybe for this particular playoff game with uh ruben diaz being injured of course bring both of them but in general, with a full, healthy roster, I don't think with the, the players we have, he should be on our national team. I, I'm even sad that Polina is not there. I, I put Polina. I put Polina uh, uh, higher sure. than William yeah. just because he brings that more, lot more energy. He's a great ball winner and he's more direct. He's very direct. He can, just, like, much like we talked about, uh, I know he's the goalie, but. You know, the Portuguese goalie, he could shoot the ball up and make an assist from a, from nowhere. Polina is that guy. Also, guys like Mateus Nunes, you touched up on him. He gives, he's a great box-to-box. Great box-to-box. Much like Renato Sanchez. I think when Renato Sanchez comes in, Ruben Dias come in, all these other attacking talents come in, personally, although he's he is having a great season, I don't want both of them on there. Yeah. One of them, okay, yes, for sure. But they're both so similar. I I don't think with this national team going into car, Qatar again, if everybody's healthy, I don't think I don't I don't want him on this. The team. fact of the matter is, if if it's he's gonna go, he's gonna go between William and Padilla. He's gonna go who's in the best form for sure, club wise for that, sure. That's be, just because he's not and gonna bring them both. He's gonna bring whoever's in best form. Yeah, and and that's gonna be the advantage of the World Cup being played in November. So Friday, this Friday is the draw. We at ten o'clock uh, in the morning, Edmonton time. Uh, it'll be available on TSN 1 and on TSN 1260 on radio. Uh, of course, you can also watch it on FIFA.com online. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Let's take a look at the pots. I want you to look at the bottom of your screen. Um, for those of you watching uh, on uh, on our YouTube stream, uh, for those of you listening on Spotify, we'll go through it with you. Pot 1. Uh, so that is where Portugal is in, in the first pot. They will be joined by Qatar, who's in there, of course, as the host. Uh, Brazil, Belgium, France, Argentina, England, Spain. So really top-notch competition, but already you can already see some of the key teams that will not be in pot number 1. So for Portugal... Let's look at pot number two. Who are you kind of looking at? The options are there's six guaranteed so far. You've got the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, Switzerland, Croatia, and Uruguay. USA and Mexico will almost certainly be there as well. Um, obviously, they're, they're in action, uh, actually, as we speak. Quick update on those scores. Uh, 
USA and Costa Rica scoreless, and Mexico, El Salvador scoreless as well. Look, they're both going to qualify. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They will end up being in pot two. So if you're Portugal, who do you want to avoid? Who would you be okay with here in pot two? Uh, I think Germany's had our number. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the height, the way they play. They're more direct. I don't know if it's a psychological thing or all, all the above. They have our number. That's one team I would like to avoid. Uh, the Danes, they're playing really good right now. I don't know if you guys seen. I know it's a friendly. I know it's a friendly, but they did beat Serbia on the weekend 3 0. Uh, Ericsson with a big goal. You know, shout out to him. Uh, he's, come, he's come back from a lot. But yeah, Germany is the, the one team. I don't know if you guys agree that I'd like to avoid. Everybody else, I mean, I, I'd, I'd pick Portugal over. So before we get to you, Mitch, Kevin Schadal's chiming in saying he does not want to see Croatia, Germany, and Holland. Uh, Ricky chiming in as well saying hopefully we get USA, Mexico, or Switzerland. Mitch, what do you say? I'm indifferent. I Honestly, guys, it's the World Cup. Uh, if, we're, if we want to be the best team in the world, we got to beat the best at the end of the day. And I think uh, there's Pulling benefits. Out a Ric Flair comment there. Well, there's, there's, I, I feel like there's benefits Woo! to sometimes catching, <laughs> catching uh, big teams early on because I think it, it automatically raises the intensity level of the team. Yep. I think you automatically get if you if you're playing a big a big name team right out right out the gate, you're not you're right away coming with a high intensity level and you know you got to bring it straight out the gate. Um, you know, I I would prefer not to play Germany just because like you, uh, there's just something about playing them. Um, but everyone else, everyone else in that in that pot, honestly, does not really concern me uh, a whole lot. I think we can beat any of those teams on on our on on our game when we're playing well. I feel like we can beat any of those teams comfortably. So to Mitch's point, I, I tend to agree. Portugal, whenever Portugal seems to just be naturally attracted to groups of death, uh, I do find though that when we do, we we play up to that level. And, and Portugal plays well. It's when they get into groups that you look at it on paper, oh, yeah, this should be easy, this should be no problem, but they run into issues. So to that point, in some ways, I'd rather avoid the U.S. I'd rather avoid Mexico because Portugal's had their issues, especially with the U.S., 2002, 2014. You know, like, in some ways, I'd want to avoid that. Now, with that being said, right now, you take a look at the Americans – they're weak. They are not the same team uh, that they were a number of years ago. They are a very beatable team. Um, they're in pot two simply because of the way the rankings are. Quite frankly, they could probably be in pot three where they probably deserve to be. Germany, not the same team uh, as dangerous as they have been in the past. So I'm actually not too worried about Germany. Uh, Denmark's the one team to me that just, it, there's such a, an enigma. Like they played so well at Euro. They have such dynamic energy. They're a team that I, I just, I'd be a little worrisome playing against them. Um, but other than that, I think Portugal matches up well against pretty much any team in this group. Yeah, even the Dutch, uh, we have the best history against the Dutch. And like how Germany, how we feel about Germany, they must feel about they Portugal. Feel about us, yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time we lost them. Even though we won the Nations League over them, we beat them in 2004. We beat them in 2006. Uh, we beat them in 2012 at the Euro. Yeah, we beat, we beat them in the Nations League. So, so we got their number. 
Oh. Our uh, our friends uh, fr- are the American North Macedonian who tuned in last week saying congratulations to Portugal. Good luck at the World Cup. Hey, thanks very much. You guys had a heck of a, uh, a performance. You guys certainly played uh, as best as you could. There was 2,000 North Macedonian fans of the Stadio de Dragão uh, making your country proud. So uh, hold your heads up high. And hey, no matter what happens, you guys always have the fact that you beat the defending European champions in a World Cup playoff. And no one will ever be able to take that away from you guys. Uh, Rich uh, chiming in saying Argentina coasted to the final because of an easy group in 2010. I'll take the easy street any day of the week. Avoid the big battles early. Big battles equals high intensity fatigue and resources. You're not wrong. You're certainly not wrong with that. It just seems Portugal trips up when it's an easy group. Uh, Just historically speaking, they tend to play better when they're up against it with some of these some of these bigger teams. Again, I point to 2014 and, and when Portugal really Argentina been posted that to the final, and also they also choked in the final. And, yeah. Well, and absolutely, because they were not they were not war ready. They were not battle hardened. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? I see both sides. Like even uh, Croatia, they made it to the World Cup final. They got spanked by France. But I mean, once you're there, you're there. Anything can happen. Look at yeah. Macedonia with Italy. I'd rather just be there. And, you know, at least Greece, have Portugal, a man. Yeah, and especially. Yeah, especially with guys like Cristiano Ronaldo or like you know these game breakers fill in the blanks and you know you yep. have a plus your chance against anybody. Uh, again, shout out to the Macedo- our Macedonian fan. Yep. Uh, we have nothing but respect for you guys. You won the world's heart, honestly. Shout out, thank you for listening. And yeah, if it was like I said, if it was anybody other than Portugal and Canada, I'd be a hundred percent rooting for you guys. <laughs> so, so let's move on to part three. We've got Senegal. Uh, Iran, Japan, Morocco, Serbia, Poland, South Korea. Those are the guaranteed teams. Canada could be in pot three, which would be just a remarkable turnaround for this program. They need a win or a draw tonight against Panama uh, in the 11th minute. That game still uh, scores. Sorry, they need a win. I, I don't think a draw would get them into this. So they need to I could be Panama. wrong. I think it was also a draw, but I could be wrong. You'd know better. Yeah, I, you know I what? think it was draw or win. We'd have to uh, actually, you know what? I have it here. A draw. No, they need to win a draw or a loss against Panama and Tunisia goes into pot three. So oh, okay. Canada okay. needs a win uh, against uh, Panama. I think and that against- was to win the win their group. I think that's what it was to win their you know, yeah. bracket. I think that's what it was. Miss my misconception was so. Right now, scoreless, Canada, Panama. So they need to get on that score sheet in order to get to pot three. So, um, yeah, so, so Sen- you know, I, I, I've got to say, though, with, with Senegal, uh, it is I, – I don't like to say that a team shouldn't be in the World Cup, but after the garbage that their fans – uh, did against Egypt with the lasers. They were throwing stuff at the players uh, before the game, uh, but to, to clearly the lasers pointed at the players' faces. You saw it with Mosala uh, going into the penalty <laughs> kicks. How the referee allowed that to continue uh, is beyond me. It's 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 scandalous, quite frankly. It's an embarrassment to the sport. Um, so for that, I really hope that Senegal goes 0-3 in the in the World Cup. To be perfectly honest, but anyways, taking a look at this group, who do you Swap want? Who do you want to avoid? <laughs> you know what? I want Serbia really bad after what happened. Uh, how they uh, they acted after they won. I mean, they were they were cheering and stuff, but like Mitrovic was drinking Coca Cola in our stadium. Uh, that drove me, you know, really. I was really pissed. 
And that was a shot at Cristiano Ronaldo where he was, uh, you know, saying drink water over Coca-Cola. I mean, I, I want them. I, I know Portugal's a better national team to them. They, they are good. They're a dark horse for sure. They have like Vlakovic and they have Tadic and they have, we talked a lot about them going into that game. They're a good team, but I would really like to, I, I would like redemption. And you know what? Given that goal that was disallowed, that's not so much Serbia's fault, but that goal, that 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 controversy, we should have been automatically in regardless. I'd I'd want I'd want them, and just show them, you know, show them who's boss. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. Or Canada. I just, I, I you want be, Canada? I, I think it'd be really cool to see Portugal. Canada. I I don't no, think I'd want no. it. I mean, it would be cool, but I don't know. Like, I no. I want Canada to do well, but no. I don't want Canada at all. Uh, Like I said, if it's Canada, I hope then it's the very first matchup. And if it's a draw, it's a draw. But uh, I don't want it. If it's not going, like whoever, whoever. I'll I'll just, I'll be crying. I'll be crying. Oh, man. Come on, man. I don't want it. I want want to see them both do well. I want to see them both. I mean, obviously, Portugal is my number one. But uh, I want to see uh, Canada do, do well. I do think, like, Portugal just you know they, they normally play well against like Morocco uh we've played well against Poland uh South Korea we would do fine with obviously Canada it is what it is um Iran's always that weird team that you just you never know how that's going to go so i it's just honestly all of these teams are beatable for Portugal it should be absolutely uh no issue uh and it's well, top 3 go through again right our best third place team no i think it's just top 2 in each group i don't think there's oh, yeah? a, a third place team Okay. Yeah. Maybe because there's right. thirty. There's sure. thirty-two teams, right? So thirty-two teams. You top two. You get to the sixteen. Okay. You get to round of sixteen okay. right away, Sweet. right? Okay. Let's so do, let's do this. It'll be different. Uh, Kevin Gerald saying no Canada. We want them both to progress. Yeah. I 100 percent agree with you, my friend. Uh, right. It's going to be different in 2026 when the World Cup expands to 48 teams. So then you'll have a round of 32, I guess, or whatever, and then progress from there. But no, in this World Cup, uh, it should just be the top two teams advance. No third place teams. So you got to get the job done. Okay. Um, Perfect. Which will be interesting. Uh, pot four. We've got Cameroon, Ecuador, Saudi Arabia. And Ghana, those are confirmed. Tunisia again uh, would be in pot four if Canada draws or loses against uh, Panama tonight. Uh, again, I'll just pull up uh, again the score here. Uh, it's scoreless again. Uh, by the way, if anyone's watching right now, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and of course, if there's a draw or loss, then Canada goes into that group. There's also the two. World Cup playoff uh, results, the the intercontinental playoffs, and then the final UEFA spot, which would either be a Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. Um, I'm going to say right off the bat here, the one team that I would not want to face would be uh, a Wales if they advance because they are a team that, hey, with Gareth Bale, you just never underestimate him, right? It's just one of those sure. teams that I would not want to uh, play against him. Um the rest, again, it, it is what it is. The African teams are always a little uh, unpredictable. It can be dangerous. Um, but I think, like, with Ecuador, if Peru gets in there, Australia, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, New Zealand certainly won't get in there. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. they could, they, they'd be playing against likely Costa Rica and in their intercontinental, so they could pull it out. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think Costa Rica or New Zealand, that would be a good matchup for Portugal. Uh, easy win there, in my opinion. I'd want Saudi Arabia. I'd want Saudi Arabia. I don't. I think that. I don't know. I don't think that they they have enough quality to be. Okay. 
I want to play them, yeah. You want to play Saudi? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's good kid, man. Unless they buy out our players. I don't know if there are a lot, but but uh, in terms of uh, soccer, yeah, I'd want to play them. I think it's uh, almost an easy win. I'm, a, I'm indifferent, man. I'll take anybody. <laughs> I like the confidence, man. On, man. Nah. You know what it is? It's the hat. It's the hat. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, Kevin, Kevin's uh, listening right now. He's been commenting a lot. He messed up our sporting order, right? I mean, you're getting exposed. I was supposed to get that hat. Hey, you, you were supposed to, you know, order it to Canada, but no, you did a delivery to the stadium and now they're sold out, man. So thanks. <laughs> that hat adds knowledge and confidence, right? Anyways. So uh, there is a, um, there's an online simulator where you can, uh, oh, I don't know what I just did here. Uh, there's an online simulator where you could look and go through the World Cup groups. So I just did it right now, just for the sake of uh, of entertainment. And um, based on this simulation, Group A would have Qatar, the Netherlands, Poland, and Canada. So that would be an uh, interesting group for, uh, for Canada, Portugal, uh, Uruguay, uh, Iran, and uh, Costa Rica or New Zealand. So uh, that would be a pretty interesting group uh, for Portugal. I'd be fine with that. Honestly, uh, I will say something, guys, and this is one thing. Um, Portugal historically has never done well in World Cups outside of Europe. So Mexico in 86, we didn't get through the group stage. Uh, South Korea and Japan in 2002, we did not get through the group stage. I believe it was South Africa. We went out in the round of 16 and then Brazil. We didn't make it to the group stage. So anytime we've played in a World Cup outside of Europe, historically, we've never done well. So I just hope that that is not a foreshadowing of, of things to come in Qatar. I mean, Qatar's yeah. close to Europe. So, I mean, maybe it'll still count. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm also reading some of the comments, Kevin. Uh was saying that there's an exciting prospect that Sporting Bot. We actually stole them from uh, from Liverpool. I don't know if you guys heard about him. I'm going to butcher his name. It is uh, Isa Haku. Isa Haku. And he was supposed to go to Liverpool. And everything was almost done. And then uh, I don't know what happened. Something went wrong with the no- negotiations. And Sporting uh, swooped him up. He's an, he's ineligible to play uh, because we didn't sign him in, in time. But he's going to be there next year. He's No, no. He's get, uh, from Ghana. Oh, it's from Ghana. It's from Ghana, so it'll be cool to to link up with them for sure. So Ricky makes a good point here. You know, we've had to qualify three of the last four cups through playoffs. We always do it the hard way. You're 100. percent And same thing with look when we won Euro 2016. We did it the hard way. Like we got through by the skin of our teeth. Uh, you know, uh, with that third place finish, and then granted, we did end up getting an easier side of the playoff draw for sure um but look in these tournaments there really are no easy games right a lot of these teams were were were, are there for a reason so you know it's just you got to get the job done i wanted to add on to what mitch was saying yeah usually in world cups in general i don't know what it is it's i mean it's maybe it's a little bit bad luck but it seems like uh for the most part maybe other than 2006 uh, every time I go into the World Cup, either like Ronaldo was hurt, one of them, or we're not primed up. We're like in between uh, a shift in our, in our national team. Like we had Raul Meirelles and players like that, and there was like sort of a shift. I don't know what it is going into these last World Cups. We've sort of just been in a like an in-between stage, and it's almost like we're more up for it for the Euro. But I think this next World Cup, we're going to be a lot more, you know, ready. Again, 
bar no injuries, because we've been, you know, having a lot of injuries. I think this World Cup, we're going to be going in really good. A lot of players it, coming up. A lot exciting. of stuff. That's very exciting. Because they're, they're going to be in peak form. It is going to be a different situation. But, hey, even if there are injuries, look, that game against Turkey, there were a lot of, between injuries and suspensions there was and, and COVID, there was, you know, we had our doubts with Portugal, and they still pulled it out. And that speaks volumes about the belief in that system, the fact that Fernand Sanch got it right. Um, and depth. We have lots of depth. And depth, lots absolutely. Depth. I'll be excited. If we see in these next few Nations League games, Fernand Sanz should go in with the same attacking, progressive mindset as he did these last two games. If we he goes, if we go into these Nations League games against Spain and stuff, and he goes back to crappy tactics and 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 Danilo and William in the in the midfield and all that bullshit, I will go right back onto the roast Fernando Sanz roast train. Oh, 100%. Because it's gonna be more of the same. And I just hope I'm wrong. I hope this was a turning point for Fernand Sanch, but that that's going to a big tell is going to be how he approaches these next few games in the Nations League against some some pretty 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 decent teams to see how whether or not he's kind of evolved his mindset. What do you think of that remedy? Electrolytes with Algarvet. You know, is that what Gatorade? <laughs> Instead of a a Shadeño, you know what Shadeño is? It's coffee. Yeah. We had some at Rich's house. And put a little bit of Gatorade to wake them up. Uh, I think you're out to something, Rick. I, yeah, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Jarrells makes a really good point here, too. Uh, we need to start giving young center backs more minutes to get them ready. Uh, Jalo and, and uh, Gonzalo Nasu, uh, for example, Font and Pep aren't getting any younger. You're 100% right. Look, this is the last tournament for Pep. Uh, I, I'm fairly confident in saying that. I think it's going to be the last tournament for a lot of players. Uh, well, for a few players, anyways. Um and you know what, right, we... the way Pep played against against I don't know, Macedonia, man, but uh, incredible. incredible. What are we talking about? Thirty nine years old. This guy was a beast, man. A yeah, beast. He looks, he's, he's really good. And he doesn't but... look like he's slowing down, man. Like, no, he, he looks. Was he looks like he's in shape, man. He's in better shape than Ron almost. Yeah, but but, but to Kev's but. To Kev's point, you need to begin that transition yeah, sure. because you, do. you, you do. don't want to end up in a situation where if Pep goes down, or you know, wasn't it against Belgium that Pep didn't Pep didn't play against Belgium, right? He was carted out, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 So I mean, again, in those situations, you want to be able to have that confidence that there's someone in there that can get the job done, and that's why I agree. You do need to start experimenting a little bit and start looking into that next, you know, what the next step is, the next chapter in that position, because that's going to be key. I think uh, Nations League is going to be the best time for that. Yeah. Uh, he already started uh, Nuno Minch. I felt like he uh, he had a great game. There was one play that he sort of messed up. Uh, I don't think it was that big of a deal. Ronaldo thought he was on the left, but he was pushing up. He yeah. was making a run with Yeah, I know exactly which one Yeah, yeah. So, but other than that, I thought he had his a really good experience. Man. Just, just lack experience. of experience. Honestly, but experience. other than that, I think he had a fantastic game. Really good. That was He's 19 years old. I think, yeah, like Kevin said, maybe Anasi or, or Jalo coming in. Would would do wonders. I think uh, Nations League would be the time for that for sure. So we go into Friday, the World Cup draw. Final thoughts uh, before the draw is made. Yeah, uh, we either pray to Our Lady of Fatima. I think it's been working for uh, Fernando Sanz. Maybe light a candle and see what happens, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm honestly indifferent. I, there's nobody that I'm ne- necessarily scared of or wanting to avoid it. I'm, I'm whatever. I'm you, you know whatever. what though? Whoever. Sometimes these brackets, 
like look at Croatia. I know you were talking about maybe it's good to play some good teams, but you know sometimes if you got uh, you know the luck of the draw, almost like we had in two thousand you know two thousand fourteen when we won the Euro. Uh, if you have a good route to the final, anything can happen, man. So. Not so much the group stage, but it's it comes out in the knockout stages. stages yeah. If we have a favorable bracket, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want easy street like crazy easy street, but if we have a favorable path, winnable, yeah. games, winnable games, we can get to that final. Who knows? Also, one more question before we wrap up: Who has who is more likely to win the World Cup, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? This could potentially be their last dance. I mean, the way the way Argentina's been playing, I mean, I uh, Argentina potentially. And, and I'm not trying to like talk bad about Portugal, but Argentina's just been playing extremely well lately. But they seem to always kind of choke in the big tournaments. So uh, we'll have to see. And again, it comes it comes down to not only the draw, but the also the groups that you are put into, because then you start to see those playoff matchups as well, right? So yeah, for sure. There's 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 two things you need to look for: is the draw itself. The group that you're put into, and then the actual group that you're in, lettered wise, and see uh, where you go. By the way, Mexico just went up one nil over El Salvador. Canada, Panama, still scoreless. Um, I did uh, another simulation here, guys. This one would be interesting. Uh, Qatar, Switzerland, Senegal, and Canada would be in a. Group. You know, and, you're not the only person that got Canada. Lots of people doing simulators you know, have pulled Canada and, a lot. Uh, Portugal, Mexico, Morocco, Australia. So that would be, uh, I would say that would be a very winnable group for uh, Portugal if that was the case. You know what? I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say if Portugal uh, gets Argentina knockout stage, it's Portugal's going to win it. Oof. I'm going to go bold. You heard it here first, all right? You heard, you heard it here first. first. No, the, the best setup would need to be a final. Yeah. Argentina, Portugal, World Cup final, Messi. The goal debate. The Battle of the Goats. That the Battle that of the Cabras. That would be the setup for this one. And be. they both and they both get injured in the fifth minute, much like Hero <laughs> 2016, and they don't even play. And then it'll be a little moth that sees Zebu sending a sign. But then maybe maybe it'll be a little bit of like uh, the the white dust on the soccer field. Will be Diego Maradona coming to. Uh, to Lionel Messi. So. I'm going to go the with Lionel yeah. Messi yeah. retiring <laughs> again. On the field. Lionel Messi retiring again in, in tears. Okay, That's yeah. what's going to go with. Ronaldo <laughs> lifting his uh, first and last World Cup. Well, let's hope. The uh, draw <laughs> is Friday, 10 o'clock in the morning. Again, uh, that's Mountain Standard Time. Uh, again, you can watch it on TSN. Tune into TSN 1260 or watch it online at FIFA.com. Mitch, Christian, I'm Kevin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back here at some point to talk about the World Cup draw, start making those predictions, start looking at the the, the path to the final, which oddly enough would be a couple of days before Mitch's birthday. So it could be a very good Christmas and a good birthday present for Mitch. So again, Mitch, Christian, I'm Kevin. Thanks for watching. To the Tuga, the Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast. Have a wonderful night. Forza Portugal, caralho. Ciao, guys. <laughs>